0: Hello, my friend, and welcome to this episode of the Daily Walk Words podcast. It's the third Sunday of Advent, the third week, and we are invited to rejoice, and we know why God is constantly reaching out to be with us. But the question that the gospel helps us to answer is, what are the impediments to this, this joy that we are supposed to feel, we are supposed to have? Let's find out. And um, let's begin by acknowledging God's presence and let us pray. Let us pray. O oh God, who see how your people faithfully await the feast of the Lord's Nativity. Enable us, we pray, to attain the joys of so great a salvation, and to celebrate them always with solemn worship and glad rejoicing. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John a man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, who are you? He admitted and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. So they asked him, what are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? So we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say for yourself? He said, I am The voice of one crying out in the desert makes straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Some Pharisees were also sent. They asked him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but there is one among you whom you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me. Whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. We lit the third candle in our Advent. Wreath. And therefore, with three candles, we can see a little bit more what's happening. And we can see if the Lord is coming or not. Just can wait for the fourth to be lit. And then the big one that is the Christmas candle. The, 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 the one. But I don't want to spoil you the, the journey. You know the plot. We saw the movie, right? We are preparing ourselves for the celebration of the Lord's coming. Not only are we are preparing ourselves to celebrate Christmas... But we also look at the coming of Jesus when he will come in glory to judge the living and the dead. And we also celebrate the many, many attempts that Christ makes throughout the day, every single day, to come into our lives. That's the season of Advent. When we become aware that someone stronger than us, as John the Baptist called him, someone who we might not recognize is coming. And he is God with us. Imagine. Imagine what we're celebrating. God making himself so close to us. As one of the fathers of the church used to say, closer than we are to ourselves. And this is the reason for us to rejoice. That's a big word in today's liturgy. And we see that the third candle in the Advent wreath, of the Advent wreath is rose. I kept calling it pink, but apparently it's rose. Don't know what the difference is, but it's okay. And that's why we also wear a rose vestment. Isn't it pretty? Okay. And we use this vestment twice a year. Once in Advent and the other one in Lent. Why? Because it's good for us to remember that no matter what we do, we are always people of the good news, people of the gospel. And when we receive good news, what do we do? We rejoice. And therefore, this is an invitation for us to make sure that we always find remain grounded in God and because He is the source of our joy. And therefore, we continue to rejoice. And I'm inviting you, as we are continuing to celebrate the way we respond, the way we sing, to add a little pizzazz in there. A little bit. Today, we can do that. We can because, hey, if I'm wearing pink, you're rejoicing. All right? That's how we go. But one way that we want to also, because Christmas is getting closer and closer to us, somebody said, you know, Father, this year Christmas is different. Well, no kidding. It is. And um, But what is different, and this person was saying, and I keep hearing it, that this situation took away the joy of the season. I hear it, but I'm encouraging you to keep the two things separate because there might be a misunderstanding, a misunderstanding creates realities in our mind which allow us to behave in a particular way. We continue to rejoice for what God has done for us. Allowing us to experience Christ born in our midst. And because of that, and because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, now Christ can be born and reborn in us. That is something that nothing and nobody can take away from us. Nobody can, and we should not let that joy be stolen. People say, well, wearing the mask doesn't make me happy. Well, don't confuse things. Our joy as Christians cannot be taken away by a piece of cloth or social distancing or by whatever it is that we are going through. That is something that is bigger than us. And if we feel that all these things are impacting our Christian joy, we need to reground ourselves because our joy comes from what God has done for us. What we might feel difficult, certainly, is the way we celebrate this so, and yes, it's very disappointing. I've been planning to go home and visit my family for a, a year now, and I, it's, it's very interesting uh, trying to cross and to fly things. So it's very disappointing. I totally get them. Don't confuse the two things. All right? Don't confuse the two things. What God has done is why we rejoice. All the rest, well, we can adapt. But even in the midst of the situation that we find ourselves in, We can discover how important our links, our connections are. And we do what we do because we now know more than ever that you are a gift to me as I am to you, and we are to each other. And therefore, the choices we make reflect how much we care for one another. All right. So this is not in the gospel. It's not in the catechism. So you can do whatever you want with that. What I'm trying is the way I'm dealing with this situation and the choices I'm making to remain grounded in what makes me who I am, a child of God, a Christian, and at the same time, respond to the situation we live in. But what I'm trying to do is don't confuse them because that creates, and I'm easily confused. So you don't want to see me confused. So I have to keep going and that's the way, that's what I'm sharing. So now we continue our journey in Advent, and once again we follow John the Baptist in the desert, just like last Sunday. Last Sunday we were in the desert with John and we were invited to reorient ourselves, to face towards the direction where Christ is coming. The desert is the place where we can rely only on what we got. In the desert there is no Wi-Fi we cannot google things or even our prayers so we cannot watch youtube videos and how to do certain things we have to rely on what we know also there are no there is no wawa 7-eleven so we can't stop and get a break and get a refreshing beverage we have to rely on the resources we have in the imagination Uh, of uh, the people at the time of Jesus, the desert was also the place where we encounter our demons. You remember the story of the temptation of Jesus. But also the place where, through the prophet, God says, I will call you into the desert so that I can bind you to me with chains of love. In other words, it's a poetic way of saying, in the desert, when we are just the two of us, I can tell you how much I love you. So it's a special place, and we want to spend time and invest our, in our preparation for this season in this particular place. And today, the Liturgy of the Word invites us to go to the root of our joy. But in order to do that, we have to go through a couple of things. As we go through, warning, don't shoot the messenger, okay? It's the same book for all of us. I'm struggling with the very same things. But also, as I'm going through the, the, the word, become aware of what is happening in you. What type of buttons I'm pushing. Because those are the leads that we need to figure out something. Hopefully, I got enough, got you curious enough to uh, continue to pay attention and, um, and continue to follow John the Baptist in this particular gospel. Are you with me? I haven't lost you yet? Okay, good, let's go. So what happens? John the Baptist, this is the passage from the Gospel of John. John tells us that a man was sent from God and his name was John. So John is one of the characters, obviously he's the main character here, and he's sent from God. The other characters in this passage are sent by an institution. They come from Jerusalem, they come from the temple. They come from the place that, in the Gospel of John, has taken the role of the place that doesn't want to change. That we are good the way we are. We know what to do. We're good. All right? So there is this thing. John is sent to give witness to the light because God is trying to do something new with us. And then there is the opposition. I don't want to change. And let's find out who's going to win. For us, we find ourselves in the very same things because sometimes our identity comes from many sources. Our identity as a person is comprised, is built up by many things. For example, my identity is built up by my um, cultural heritage, my background as a European, as an Italian, but even more as a Neapolitan. Because Italian is something that is very weird for us. It's a label that we are still struggling to figure out what that means. I am a Neapolitan. I'm linked to that particular culture. Who then came here 29 years ago? I know. But, you know, so what does that mean? But then also, for example, our uh, identity comes from other sources, like uh, uh, the, the things I'm interested in. There are certain issues that may be more important to me than others. And they become the lens through which I see things. My political views, my religious views, everything is part of it. And we put them together. But now we have to figure out, when we face these issues, when we who are in the desert see what God is doing, and we see the people from the temple coming, in the issues, these big, important things... Who's going to win? Are they all the same? Or one becomes more important than others? All right. So the people from the temple, they come, they see John, that he's doing something unusual. Not the baptism, because baptism was part of Judaism. It was something that they did, like many other religions. But it was a ritual of cleansing. It's the way he's doing and what he's saying that really concerned the leaders of the religion, and they send a delegation. Let's go find out. And of course, they ask a question. Who are you? Are you the Christ? And he says, no. We don't have it. But I'm pretty sure they went, oh, thank goodness. You know what? Because if he said yes, now they have to deal. They have to start changing the way of doing things because the way the Messiah finally came, and now he's going to mess up the plans. But he said no, and they went, yes, we can still do our things. So, uh, now, we need to figure out this thing also. We are preparing for the coming of the Lord, and we have to ask ourselves. We keep singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. But do we want Christ in our lives? And when we welcome him, what kind of welcoming are we giving him? Listen carefully. In the Middle East, in the culture of Jesus, both then and now, welcoming a guest is a very different business than how we welcome it. For example, let's imagine that you knock at the door of someone, you're in the Middle East, in some place in the Middle East, and you knock at the door somebody you don't know. They open the door and you say, I want to be your guest. You know what happens? they have to welcome you they may give you their master bedroom for three days they will give you anything you want food everything and they're not allowed to ask you a question you take over the whole thing only after the third day they can ask you what are you looking for what can we do to help you what's your name what's your story but for three days, they just take care of you. What happens in our society? Well, if a stranger knocks at the door and says, I want to be your guest, like, you've got to be kidding. We don't welcome strangers, right? We've seen way too many movies about this. It's... But then what happens? Even if an acquaintance or somebody we know wants to come and, have, and has um, asked for asylum, asked for being... Um, uh, Hostess, what do we do? We give them the couch with a blanket and a pillow, and that's where you sleep, right? Completely different than the Middle East. But now we want to keep that in mind because that's what the community of the, that generated the Word of God had in mind. When we ask Christ to come, we have to ask ourselves Am I welcoming him as his culture did? Or will I be willing to give him just a couch? And I will say, bring your own pillow. That's something we need to deal with. That. All right. So his arrival is the source of our joy. Why is it then that we don't feel like we are really joyful? And I don't talk about. I don't want to. Uh, not considering the fact that we're going through a pandemic right now, but in general, these past years. We as Christians are not depicted, we are not behaving as loving and joyful people. We are behaving like angry people who are attacking each other and the rest of the world. Where did we get that idea? And what is happening to us? What can we do to reclaim our joy? The gospel will help us. And in order for us to deal with this, we have to answer those two questions. One. Who are you? Two, what do you say about yourself? Why is it? Well, if I, I told you, my, if my identity comes from many things. If I don't put these things in order, I have a very bizarre idea of who I am and I'm going to project it onto you. If I'm not careful, I might think that I am the Messiah. And therefore, I think I must always be right. And if somebody challenges me and my me being right, what do I do? The claws come out. And very lovingly, I'm going to scratch. Why? You need to be down. I have to be the one in charge. That happens in every situation, in every place. Sometimes in our household, we fight because we want to maintain a certain type of image. An image that we want to project and then we have to maintain and defend because people are going to attack us. And therefore, for example, sometimes it happens. It didn't happen in my household at all. <laughs> Their mom would go and see, you know, the dishwasher or whatever and she would get mad. Who knew this way? I told you many times that that's not the way we do it. The subtitle will say, I am the messiah of the dishwasher. You shall do what I say. OK, now could very well be that indeed there are certain things that you don't put in a bottom rack, you put them on the top, and all these things. But the idea is, when we feel the need to attack, we have to ask ourselves, which part of my identity is being threatened? Why do I need? to impose my identity on others. What am I defending? John is very clear. I am not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah. Guess what? I am not the Messiah. You, let me take a look at it. No, 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 nope. You're not the Messiah either. Why is this important? Because sometimes we, as I told you, we may think that we are in charge, that we must always be right. And how bad do we, how far do we take this? That I'm going to be so right that even the church is wrong. Why? Because I don't agree with it and therefore they are wrong. I'm the Messiah. That's what I'm saying. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one who must be in charge. And if you threaten me, you're going to be wrong. How do we do it? We put labels on people. It, these are ways for us to raise the shield so that whatever challenge they're bringing, I'm immune. Because I'm always right. For example, I'm um, going to say this ironically. I'm enjoying uh, the, the way people are reacting to uh, the latest book of the Pope or uh, one of his speeches, no matter what the man is saying, is wrong for a lot of people. Why? Because, of course, he is offending, not the gospel, not the teaching of the church, but our image, our identity. That might come from heritage, from our political affiliation, from whatever. So, for example, he says something that challenges me, and I'm going to put a label up. Oh, he's a socialist. It doesn't matter the fact that he is not. But in order for me to feel good, what happens? I'm gonna put a label to stop that challenge, and I'm good. I don't have to change. I don't have to look at whether the church is telling me to do things, to look at things differently. Why? I'm always in charge. I'm the Messiah. It's the church that needs to change and agree with me, not the other way around. Am I pushing some buttons? Remember what I said. Don't kill the messenger, but follow the leads that is happening. And it says, when I'm struggling, who, who wins the argument? Am I willing to be challenged by the teaching of the gospel? Nowadays, in our culture, we are dealing with death penalty again. Okay? And how we as a church are reacting. says, I'm sorry, when we defend life, we defend life. You know, it doesn't matter. People are struggling with that. Always thinking, my, what is this coming from? Does he come from my Christian identity or something else? And then we decide. So now these questions, who are you and what do you say about yourself? Allow us to do something amazing. If we have the courage to say, I am not the Christ, I'm not the Messiah. It's okay for me not to be right all the time because it happens that somebody has a better idea. What happens to us? What happens to me? We can experience freedom like oh i don't have to maintain this image all the time i share with you many times i believe that i don't have it all together but together i have it all it's when i keep looking at you and say you are as important to me as i am to you for this parish i don't have to be the messiah i just do my past the job of the past you understand And therefore, by letting go, and by allowing myself to enter into the freedom that God wants me to have, I create the conditions upon which Christ can come and I can experience joy. John is telling us in the desert, strengthen the path, make it easier for Jesus to come. Remember this, that God is almighty, all-powerful. He created heaven and earth, things visible and invisible. One thing he cannot do, forcing us to love him, and therefore he's very respo- he's very respectful. He's coming, but if the doors are closed, he's not going to pass. If it's only open a little bit, open well. If you're going to give them the couch, he's going to sleep on the couch. We Christians are eccentric, not weird, eccentric meaning off-center we let christ in and he wants to be at the center that's the only place where he can really be who he is and when we place him there we feel joy and the the discipleship is nothing more than learning how to let him do more and more in our lives so that we can become more and more like him and that's the journey that we're going to have ahead but advent is important because he will allow us to decide What kind of year are we going to have? Are we going to be following Jesus according to his plan, his word? Or do we want Jesus to follow us and make us feel good? As we continue to pray, we want to thank the Lord that he is revealing himself to us as the father who wants us to live in freedom, even freedom from the images that we have created about ourselves. And he's telling us, you're still going to be a child. You're still going to be my favorite child. Just let go. and You know, let Christ be the Messiah. And all together, we can journey on towards His heart. So that we can be really living our life fully. And we want to bring to the altar our willingness to say, Yes, Lord, I'm coming to do your will. I'm making room for Christ. So this year is going to have a nice place in my life. And all in this way. We will continue to rejoice knowing that we can live our lives as children of God. And I hope you will find time to position yourself in the desert with John the Baptist and answer those questions when we try to figure out who we are and how we can uh, act and make decisions so that indeed the word can come to us so that jesus can be born every day we will be able to understand christian joy i wish you well i continue to pray for us as i pray for all of you god bless and i'll talk to you soon